everyone and welcome to another episode of Astropoids. I am your new host Athar and I am the new head of podcast of the Astronomy Club Manipal. I am so excited for this new episode because this is my first episode as the new head of podcast and I have been working on it for quite a few days now leaving out the procrastination and I hope you enjoy this too as well. Starting this new tenure with a big bang. <laughs> and i have a brand new episode for you titled supernovas before we get into supernovae let us talk about the life of a star a star is born from this huge cloud of gases where the molecules in it come together under the influence of gravity and the temperature in the cloud is low enough for molecular synthesis one such example is the eagle nebula or pillars of creation the next stage is where these gas molecules come together they clump into this very warm hot object called a protostar this protostar still has the glass cloud surrounding it and the molecules keep falling into it after this come what is called the t tauri phase where the star is releasing tremendous amounts of energy but the temperature itself isn't hot enough for nuclear fusion once its core reaches a hot enough temperature for fusion which is around hundreds of thousands of degrees celsius the t tauri phase ends and we now have what's called a main sequence star where the hydrogen molecules from the earlier gas cloud undergo nuclear fusion and release helium and heat energy an example is our sun it will last for billions maybe billions of years now after such a long time this hydrogen runs out and the star stops the nuclear reactions in its core and starts expanding outward under the influence of gravity the surface and core is cooler than before too and appears redder than before hence the name red giant once this helium fusion ends the star's core starts fusing carbon into it then nitrogen oxygen and so on until iron appears at the core this iron starts absorbing energy as the fusion continues and with too much energy to sustain itself the core collapses the outer gases explode into space in the form of either a planetary nebula or a supernova the outcome of a star ending up in a nebula or supernova is determined by what is known as the chandrashekhar limit the chandrashekhar limit is estimated to be around 1 and 1/2 times the mass of our sun if a star has a mass less than the chandrashekhar limit the star explodes as a nebula like the crab or eastern whale nebula and the core ends up as a dim relatively cold and dense object called the white dwarf if a star has mass more than the chandrashekhar limit about 2 or 3 times the mass of our sun it explodes in a supernova and the core ends up as a very very dense object called a neutron star a much much heavier star like a supergiant whose mass is approximately 6 times that of our sun explodes in a much more violent supernova and the core ends up so so dense it turns into a black hole so in a way a supernova is the most dramatic ending of a star's life it is a violent stellar explosion which occurs when the gases in a star become very heavy and unstable and explode outward while the very dense core implodes inward typically a supernova releases about 10 to the power 44 joules of energy which is trillions and trillions of joules which is i'm not going to lie a lot of energy if we could harness this energy the earth could run for tens of thousands of years more 
a supernova is so bright and so hot for a brief period of time it outshines even the brightest star in its galaxy a typical supernova can last for varying time from a few weeks to a few months because of this temporary nature they have often been quoted in history as guest stars there are seven official recordings of these guest stars spanning the last 2000 years of history we'll come to them later in this episode uh, primarily there are two types of supernovae which are determined by how the stars reach this terminal stage their mass what gases they have as remnants or what remains after the explosion and so on the first type is called type 1 and is distinguished by the absence of hydrogen lines in its specific chromatic spectrum or simply the absence of hydrogen gas in the explosion these supernovae occur when the mass of a star is slightly above the chandrashekha limit type 1 is further classified into subtypes 1a 1b and 1c depending on the details of the spectrum the supernova generates 1a is characterized by the presence of strong silicon two lines which comes around the green side of the spectrum 1b and 1c are designated according to the presence or absence of strong helium lines respectively the second type is called type 2 and is characterized by the presence of strong hydrogen lines in the spectrum these supernovae occur when the star is more than 8 times heavier than the sun type 1b 1c and type 2 supernovae are collectively called core collapse supernovae because they are produced from a very evolved core like a neutron star or black hole there definitely were many more supernovae long before we humans proved smart enough to read and write and once we actually could read and write the sky was not the limit for us anymore as of now there are only 7 documented supernovae our old astronomers from all these years ago happened to be fortunate enough to look up in the then clear night skies at the right times and witness such astronomical marvels happening then now there are a lot of details pertaining to the following supernovae so i want you all listeners to close your eyes and try imagining details as i talk about each supernova without further ado let's explore the archives our first recorded supernova is titled SN185 SN being short for supernova and 185 is the year it was discovered in it occurred in 185 CE and was recorded by chinese astronomers in the document called book of later han according to that document it was a guest star that remained visible in the night sky for about 8 months it may have also been recorded in roman literature although no such records have been found the explosion is identified as a remnant of a star named rcw86 it is a type 1a supernova with a diameter of 85 light years and is 8000 light years away in the southern constellation circinus according to x-ray and infrared data collected by modern astronomers our second documented supernova is named sn386 which occurred 200 years after our first supernova it was recorded by chinese astronomers in the constellation sagittarius scientists and astronomers have not been able to determine the origins of sn386 although early reports reports associate sn386 with the remnant snr g11.2 0.3 the remnant was soon discarded because it was estimated to be about 2000 years old 
and later findings showed that it's at least 14000 light years away there has also been an alternate alternate record by the chinese of a passing comet this suggestion is also disregarded because comets do not appear suddenly as castars and they have a whole period of orbit and visibility and other stuff as of now the origins of sn386 remain a mystery next comes sn393 which you can as you can understand occurred only a few years after a second supernova it was recorded by the chinese in 393 ce in the constellation scorpio it remained visible for about 8 months before fading and becoming invisible before 1973 it was interpreted as just a bright nova with a secondary minimum which meant it was first some very bright object which had a dim afterglow according to the rosat all sky survey in 1996 sn393 is associated with the remnant of the star rxj 1713.7-3956 which is about 3000 light years away sn393 is now classified as a type 2 supernova whose star before explosion had a mass 15 times the mass of the sun fast forward 600 years and we come across sn1006 this is the brightest ever recorded supernova and at one point it outshone even venus which is usually the brightest object in the night sky it was observed between 30th april and 1st may 1006 ce in the constellation lupus and was recorded in egypt iraq china europe japan yemen and possibly north america it is approximately 7200 light years away there is a lot of data concerning sn1006 so we are going to take a while with this supernova in egypt astronomer ali bin ridwan described the event as a large circular body 2.53 times as large as venus the sky was shining because of its light the intensity of this light was little more than a quarter of moonlight in europe this event was recorded in switzerland in the annals of the abbey of saint gall a tad bit dramatic if you ask me the monks there described the event as in a wonderful manner this was sometimes contracted sometimes diffused and moreover sometimes extinguished it was seen likewise for 3 months in the inmost limits of the south beyond all constellations which are seen in the sky historian song shi of the song dynasty in china described the star as appearing on 1st may 1006 in the constellation d east of lupus and shining so brightly that objects on the ground could be seen at night it was again sighted in december by chinese astrologer zhou koming and he described it as an auspicious star that would bring great prosperity to the states it appeared over in 1965 astronomers doug mill and frank gartner associated the remnant of sn1006 with a known radio source named pks1459-41 and named the remnant snr g327.6 plus 14.6 snr simply means supernova remnant they determined it to be a type 1a supernova about 7400 light years away Up next is SN1054. It was first observed on July the 4th, 1054 by the Arabs, Chinese, Japanese, probably the Europeans and North Americans as evidenced by a pictograph associated with ancient Babylonian culture 
found near the Peñasco Blanco site in New Mexico. The supernova remained visible for two years and its remnant was captured by the Hubble Space Telescope. Why is the supernova very famous? Because its remnant is now known to us as the Crab Nebula, at whose core lies a pulsar. A pulsar is simply put a very dense star remnant which emits radio waves and has a rotation period of usually a few seconds. In 1928, American astronomer Edwin Hubble was first to notice the growing size of the Crab Nebula, which he attributed to a stellar explosion and thus confirmed that the nebula is the remnant of a supernova. <laughs> Edwin further calculated the date of explosion from this change in size and found that it occurred about 9 centuries before then. However, another astronomer, Nicholas Mayall, proposed that the event in 1054 was actually a supernova, it being much brighter than the nebula itself. This deduction was refined by him and Jan Oort, after whom the Oort cloud is named, in 1942. In Chinese records, the guest star of 1054 occurred during the reign of Renzong of the Xing dynasty. The event was recorded in Chinese documents in the first year of the Zihe era corresponding to the year 1054 CE. Three Chinese documents indicate that the guest star was located close to the southeast of Tianguan or Zeta Tauri as we know now. Chinese astronomer Song Shi gives a total period of visibility of 642 days and according to another recorded document called the Song Huyo, daylight visibility of the event lasted for 23 days. In Japan, the oldest and most detailed record is the Megetsuki, the diary of Fujiwara no Teika. The Megetsuki placed the event in the fourth lunar moon of the year, one month earlier than the Chinese text. The location of the guest star was in the direction of the east and it seemed to emerge from the Tianguan star. In Arabian records, the sighting of SN1054 appeared in the book Uyun al-Anba fi Tabaqat al-Atiba. This is a detailed bibliography of physicians in the Islamic world compiled by Ibn Ali Musaybiya in the middle of the 13th century, who stated, One of the most famous epidemics of our time occurred when a spectacular star appeared in Gemini of the year 446 of the Muslim calendar. In the autumn of that year, 14,000 people were buried in Constantinople. Thereafter, in the middle of the summer of 447, the majority of Fostat, or now known as Cairo, the people there and all foreigners died. Ibn Batlan continues, While the spectacular star appeared in the sign of Gemini, it caused the epidemic of the Fostat, with the Nile being low, when it appeared in 445. The year 446 in the Muslim calendar corresponds to the year 1054 CE. The lack of accounts in European chronicles about SN1054 raised several questions. In fact, SN1054 occurred only 48 years after the famous SN1006, which was recorded in a substantial number of European documents. The SN1054 event appeared in two Native American paintings as well. These paintings show a crescent moon located next to a circle that could represent a star. On the morning of July 5th, 1054, the moon was located in the immediate proximity of the supernova as depicted in these paintings. 
However, this interpretation cannot be confirmed since the dating of the paintings is extremely imprecise and only one of the paintings showed a crescent moon. Another more precise document is related to the Anasazi at the Chaco Canyon site in New Mexico. It shows a hand below which there is a crescent moon facing a star at the bottom left. On the wall underneath the petroglyph there is a drawing which could be the core and tail of a comet. This could be the passing of Halley's comet in 1066. Again, North American drawings and petroglyphs were very inaccurate so they could mean anything. Let us move on to our next supernova which is SN1181. Chinese and Japanese astronomers recorded the SN1181 supernova in eight separate texts. The event took place on August 4th and August 6th, 1181. It remained visible for about 185 days in the direction of the constellation Cassiopeia. The remnant of SN1181 is believed to be associated with the X-ray pulsar 3C58. The pulsar's rotational period is 15 rotations per second and is still rotating as quickly as it did when it first formed. This is in contrast with the Crab Nebula pulsar which was a remnant of SN1054 which has lost 2/3 of its rotational velocity in essentially the same time span. The surprise came from recent radio service of 3C58 that indicate that this supernova remnant is much older and therefore cannot be associated with SN1181. The remnant of SN1181 is still to be identified. Up next is SN1572. This supernova appeared in early November 1572 in the constellation Cassiopeia and was discovered independently by many individuals. SN1572 is considered one of the most important events in the history of astronomy. Tycho Brahe produced an extensive work describing the events of a guest star, De Nova et Nullius Avi Memoria Prius, translated to Concerning the Star, New and Never Before Seen in the Life Memory of Anyone. The work was published in 1573 with reprints overseen by Johannes Kepler in 1602. and 1610 in england john aubrey recorded in his memoranda the impact of the queen on queen elizabeth i she summoned the mathematician and astrologer thomas allen asking his advice about the new star that appeared in cassiopeia in the ming dynasty in china the appearance of the guest star was an issue of discussion between the young wanli emperor and zhang juzang According to the cosmological tradition the emperor was warned to consider his misbehavior since the appearance of the new star was interpreted then as an evil omen more reliable contemporary reports mention a star that burst forth sometime between November 2nd and 6th in 1572 driving the star to rival venus in brightness The supernova remained visible to the naked eye well into 1574 before gradually fading and disappearing from view. In Yemen, the supernova was observed by Isa Sharaf al-Din and was published in his book Rauf el-Ru. Much later in 1952, Hanbury Prawn and Cyril Hazard from Jodrell Bank Observatory detected a radio signal at 158.5 MHz. frequency and assumed it was a remnant of SN1572. 
The remnant was identified as the object 3C10 appearing in the third Cambridge list and another designation of SN1572 is G120.7 plus 2.1 but most most of uh, authors simply refer to it as the Tycho supernova remnant the supernova was confirmed as type 1a in the 1960s a last recorded supernova is called SN1604 also known as Kepler supernova it appeared in the constellation Ophiuchus in 1604 SN1604 was brighter than any other star in the night sky and remained visible during the day for over 3 weeks the first record of sn1604 was by lodovico del colombe in northern italy on the 9th of october 1604 johannes kepler started his observation of the event on the 17th of october while working at the imperial court in prague for holy roman emperor rudolf it was subsequently named after him even though he was not the first to observe the event The supernova was also recorded by Arabian astronomer Isa Sharaf al-Din from SN1572 and thus Isa Sharaf al-Din is the only known astronomer who witnessed the appearance of two supernovae since 1604 there has been no recording of such supernovae in our galaxy though many others have been observed in other galaxies the most important of which is SN1986 supernova which appeared in the large magellanic cloud and was visible to the naked eye there is evidence for two more milky way galaxy supernovae that occurred in 1680 and 1870 however they are not recorded by any source other unconfirmed supernovae events may have been observed in 369 ce 386 ce 437 ce 827 ce and 902 ce some arab and european documents related relate the appearance of gestas to the spread of epidemics in certain regions in the world the most famous document of the kind is the book by ibn abi usaybiya called uyun al-anba fi tabaqat al-atiba already mentioned in relation to sn1054 ibn batnan described in this text the spread of epidemics in several regions in the middle east concurrently with the appearance of a gesta scientifically this relation between the explosion of a supernova and the spread of an epidemic is an idea that lacks any scientific merit light from even the brightest supernova takes thousands of years to reach earth and any biological material ejected from supernovae should it survive the harsh conditions of outer space would take hundreds of thousands of years more so we can now say that the occurrence of supernovae and epidemics simultaneously in a certain period of time in a region is just coincidence The next time you're lucky enough to witness a supernova in the night or daytime, worry not, nobody's going to fall sick. Who knows? Maybe even the Chinese and Japanese were right. Maybe they are signs of good omen, and you might be lucky and prosperous. In any case, a supernova is a remarkable and mysterious occurrence of nature, and we hope to be fortunate enough to see one in our lifetime, given there are no cloudy skies on that day. That is it for this episode entitled Supernova. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode presented by Astrobytes, the official podcast channel of the Astronomy Club Manipal. Please do check out our other episodes like Origins, where the origins of life, the universe and everything is questioned and discussed on by my good friends Aryan, Anushka and Avani, also known as Team AAA in our club. 
and another episode called constellations and myths talking about different constellations and different myths hosted by my mentor pratyaksha along with few other people thank you for tuning in to this episode we hope to see you soon stay tuned for new episodes thank you